Dog Sports, but we came here to win the most legit podcast. That's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news. We underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process. Yes, you, because we got Chris and Anju to bless you with the best features, best stories. We diving deep like a Lambo leap. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring. We on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the talk path. In the cold, get a gold brand. Sit back and race the cat, because we start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog. Chris Horwardell, joined by Anshu Khan. Anshu! Chris! How you doing, bud? Ah, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. We're breathing, we're alive. I assume the same for you, and we're gonna talk sprouts. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> alive, breathing, those things are technically accurate. We There is a, a lot going on in the sports world. Free agency in the NBA uh, has gone nuts. The draft has happened. We have got a bunch of trades. The MLB trade deadline just passed. I've got BovadaSportsbook.com open in front of me to uh, look at some of the fun lines and see how things have changed since these uh, these respective trade deadlines. Let's start in Major League Baseball because I feel like we neglect baseball a little bit. The Los Angeles Dodgers went out and got maybe the best pitcher in baseball and maybe the best hitter in baseball. What does this mean for them? I mean... Like the phrase rich get richer gets thrown around a lot, but crazy. I mean, absolutely nuts that they can now roll with presumably Clayton Kershaw comes back and you go with Scherzer and and uh, Bueller. And, you know, obviously you, you, you've got Kershaw and then you've got a variety of other pieces. They did have to pay a pretty steep price, but you also had Trey Turner to just an embarrassment of riches. I mean, they are just so incredibly loaded i at, like at every position i mean they've, they're too deep everywhere that's the other thing like all their guys they're playing mookie bets at second now yeah, I like saw I, that. just to, and just, what a catch I, what a catch just a t- oh incredible catch and then you know and then if they they're playing at al parks in the world series they'll they'll be able to dh because they have so much depth i mean they are like they signed aj pollock and that would have been the biggest signing a few uh two off seasons ago of like anybody in, at any point in any on any team that offseason he's like not even starting for them i mean he's like barely an afterthought it is absolutely nuts how good they are how deep they are one through nine and um you know they're just they're stacked man and then you add in kenley jansen and you know some of the other pieces in that bullpen are just so good too i mean they've got like you know joe kelly and blake trinan's incredible they mm. they're they are so good they're well managed they're they're gonna be borderline and you know baseball is tough because it's just one of those like you just get in the tournament and anything can happen it's the most random sport in the playoffs as we know but god it's really hard to see an avenue to see them to them losing especially with the Padres losing Tatis probably for the season well and the the Dodgers also go out and sign Cole Hamels oh yeah minor detail let's just add the experience of a Pujols and a Hamels along the way let's you know, oh, Cody Bellinger's hamstring injury is actually fine. He's going to be fine. All right, cool. <laughs> and Kevin Lux is going to come back later this season. Oh, Corey Sears having his first healthy season ever. Like, they're just, they're so good in so many places. It's going to take an absolutely Herculean effort from someone to knock them out of the playoffs. And and I really mean that. Like, I, I don't know how a team beats them. Like, really, in a best of seven, it's going to take a lot. And all of this is without Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Oh my God. Great point. Yeah. You just, if some, somehow Bowers absolved of, of whatever allegations he has. And I, I highly doubt that at this point. Yeah. No um, way. 
Yeah, I mean, they don't. I don't think they pushed for Scherzer had they thought that they expected him back. So, yeah. Well, the rumblings, the rumblings were that the Dodger players didn't even want him back in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, that's that is a thing. Like Trevor Bauer is one of the most polarizing personalities in all of sports, anyway. And when you drop this on top of it, I think that that's you know, it's all part of the the overall Bauer story in mm-hmm. this scenario. It's shocking to me, looking at Bavada, that they don't even have the Dodgers as negative money. The Dodgers, <laughs> the Dodgers are plus one fifty just to win the NL. That's just the randomness of baseball in coming into play there. You know, that's like okay, the one team I actually think has a shot at beating them is going to sound probably a little crazy, but the Milwaukee Brewers can throw Woodruff and Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns. And then they have Josh Hader out of the bullpen and a couple other pieces. And they do have the bats to like get hot in a series and make it interesting. But that's like if absolutely everything goes right and, you know, and you're able to have the schedule work out where you can throw all those guys twice, mm-hmm. then maybe you have the hint of a chance. I mean, that's like that's the crazy scenario for them to win because the Giants are you know, yes, they had Chris Bryant, and that's awesome. That's laudable that they're going after it. But like, you know, end of the day, yeah, you've got one Kevin Gossman. Alex Wood's been good. Desclafani's been good. Cueto's not what he was. I mean, that's that is not a team in my mind that can compete. And you know, and you look at their lineup, and it's it's not great. And so, as overachieving as they've been, there's just I don't see an avenue. Padres are, of course, you know, they're 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 loaded themselves as well but they're not like they're not on the Dodgers level and they're pitching while the names are good they're not quite there and Mm. so yeah I mean plus money seems like stealing at this point honestly because the Dodgers are just that good yeah Bavada has the Brewers the number two favorite in the NL at plus 400 followed by those Giants at plus 450 the Mets at plus 550 and the mm. pod, the Padres at plus five fifty, but I have to think that number is going to go up pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, Mets are are an interesting one too, just because again, like you're trying to picture squint and picture a series that the Dodgers lose, and you know, the one team uh, the Brewers are there with the pitchers, but if the Mets were to get Syndergaard back and Degrom back, then you know now obviously you're throwing Degrom, Degrom twice, maybe three times. Syndergaard, you got Carrasco back now. Rich Hill was an, a a good ad for them. Stroman's been great. Walker's been pretty good. I mean, that's that's your avenue. Like those guys get hot, and your bats are good. And but and they also, of course, add Javi Baez, which was a big, you know, potentially a big ad. Um, yeah, I mean, that's maybe I guess that's where the odds come from. That you, but like at the end of the day, the Dodgers go in a series and have probably you know the three best bats and the three best pitchers in almost any given series, which is just absolutely insane yeah it's nuts how good they are looking at the al the astros have uh, jumped up slightly now the sole favorites to win the al at plus 225 above your beloved chicago white Sox at plus 250 uh bavada has the rays at plus 550 following that the red Sox at six and the yankees at nine I got to say, I, I don't want to sound like a total homer, but the White Sox seem like a good bet there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're going to bring Luis Robert back. Eloy Jimenez is back. They're going to bring back Yasmani Grandal. They add Cesar Hernandez, and they add, of course, uh, Craig Kimbrell for a hefty price 
at the deadline and Nick Madrigal. Um, and then they add Ryan Tapera too from the Cubs. I mean, that's those are three pretty significant pieces to a team that is, you know, again, you're throwing Giolito and Lance Lynn and, you know, uh, you've got Dylan Cease. You've got, you know, Carlos Rodon's been incredible this year. And then Michael Kopech out of the pen is there, basically their Josh Hader. And um, and then you've got, of course, at the back end, Liam Hendricks and Kimbrell now. That's that's the recipe for a playoff team to, to win multiple playoff series. I, I don't know that, that they'll have enough to get all the way through. But, I mean, if you come, they compare favorably, especially pitching-wise to the Astros, I think, you know, pretty significantly better in my mind because you know you go you have giolito lynn and rodan or mccullers valdez and granke i mean i i like the white Sox chances there like you said big cost to give up madrigal for kimbrell how'd you think uh that deal went for the white Sox? yeah i mean it was one of those like they needed to add a piece i probably don't do that not because i'm i'm i think madrigal is clearly their worst of their good you know, their prospects, as we've called them, you know, their, their big list. But I just thought you could get someone better for Madrigal. And maybe they felt like with the injury to knock him out for the season, you know, they were selling a little high on him. I, I mean, I doubt it just because two years of Kimbrel does one and a half years really of Kimbrel is probably not worth it. But, um, you know, it's just the price of, of playing poker here. They, they felt like they were a Kimbrel away from being the favorites probably. And to me, that's where they are. They're right there with probably the Yankees, depending on how Chris Sale looks for the Red Sox. And the Astros are, are right there as well. But I, I think the White Sox have position. And, you know, it's all worth it in the end if they're able to to win a pennant, win a ring potentially. I, I don't know how they beat the Dodgers if that were to materialize. But I think they certainly have enough to probably be the favorites to win the AL right now. I think you're, you're probably right. Uh, the NBA draft... <clears throat> just happened recently as well, along with, man, sign and trades are becoming more and more commonplace every single year. It seems like these guys have uh, an incredible amount of say over what happens to them, even when they are free agents. First, let's look at the draft. How do you think the draft went in general? It was a weird draft, I thought. Um, I, I know we were talking a little bit on it. I, I mean, it was it was kind of odd to me, like some of the, it was, I thought last year would be the oddity. And this year we'd see more like, you know, more along the lines of what you would expect in terms of who went where. Um, and it, it did not feel that way this time. Um, I, I, I mean, it was, it was weird. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, I'm shocked. I, you know, we talked a lot about Jalen Suggs and where he ended up and, and where he would end up. I think he, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't love the fit with the team, um, but I think that he is going to end up being, you know, a great steal there at five. Like it, to me, he was the second, if not best player in this draft. So I think it's, it's uh fascinating that he he wanted what do you think happened with that like how did that end up happening i think people overthought their positions that's that's what mm -hmm. i think happened there you know suggs is a guy who does a million things well and doesn't have that one crazy good skill and maybe that is maybe that's the reason but yeah for him to not go for was shocking to me yeah i mean i lost i'll admit i lost some money there <laughs> i thought for sure he was gonna go for um, I get why the Cavs didn't take him, although, again, I still would have done it and figured out the other guys later, made trades however it needed to happen to make room for him. But 
Um, Toronto taking Barnes is a wild one to me. Just wild. And it's wild because I think we both hold Ujiri in very high regard, right? And um, so, like, you have to have some deference to his ability to evaluate talent, but I, I, I'm just shocked. I mean, I, I could be just totally wrong on Suggs. I feel like we're way out on a limb here with him, and, I mean, maybe not out on a limb, but just, like, sticking our necks out for him, you know? And it just it blows me away that he that that team with that that really good front office went with Barnes over him. Well, and just considering that it was a foregone conclusion the Raptors were going to move Lowry at some point, they exactly. seemed to have a natural need of point guard. Sugg seemed to be the natural fit, and uh, yet they took Scotty Barnes, a guy who, at the number four pick in the draft, doesn't have a clear path to starting. And it's it's not super unlike Siakam, and I I don't think that's his trajectory by any means, but maybe that's how they're thinking. You know, it's not unlike Patrick Williams in some ways in that, like, you know, these two-way players are key, but the problem is <laughs> to be a two-way player, you got to have an offensive game, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that Barnes is that guy. I think Patrick Williams showed a little bit more, um, a little bit more flash at the end of his Florida State career than Barnes did, and um, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I don't, I'm just going to admit, like, I don't understand it. I'm the first guy in the analytics line. Um, but Suggs, I don't, I really don't get what box Suggs didn't check aside from being a little short. Yeah, the Raptors sit plus 10,000 to win the NBA championship <laughs> at Bavada. I, I, you know, I have to think that number would be a decent amount lower if they would have gone with Suggs. Like, you can see how the team would be interesting. Absolutely. You don't have to squint hard to see Suggs winning Rookie of the Year with the Raptors leading a good team with a lot of talent that's right on the brink of, you know, being really competitive, I think. Um, I mean, you know, two years ago, they basically had the same roster. You you switch out Suggs for Lowry, fine, give it a year, a grace period. But like, you know, I, I think they could have, he could have helped lead them. I, I just, Suggs is the kind of guy that everyone is looking for mm-hmm. in my mind. Like this primary ball handler scorer you know a guy that wants the ball in the big moment like you look at a guy like Lonzo Ball signing I know that they're not really alike in in terms of size or style that much but I do think that they're both like they can whip the ball around Suggs is a far better shooter but that kind of guy you know got a lot on the market and had a lot of suitors for a reason because they are they're scarce to find guys that both want and can productively have the ball late in games or in big moments in a half-court offense. I I just, yeah, I think that's the kind of guy that a lot of teams are looking for. Yeah, it's bizarre that a team that had a clear need for a primary initiator really went, and their two biggest acquisitions during the offseason were Precious Achua and Scotty Barnes. (laughs) Yeah. What'd you think of, I mean, I guess we'll we'll probably get to these sign-and-trades, but what, like, the Lowry, like when when a team does a sign and trade, is it more like the players basically saying, "Hey, if you don't do this with with the Heat, then I'm out," or like were they forced to take on? Were they basically forced to just pick from the Heat roster, or could they have been like, "Nah, we like what the Sixers had to offer more, or what some other team had to offer more"? Well, that's what I was kind of alluding to a little earlier. I do think that, especially the classier organizations. Uh, do go out of their way to try and accommodate guys in these situations. Now, they're obviously not going to do it to the detriment of the team if they would have 
if they just didn't like what Toronto would offer back, uh, or pardon me, what Miami would offer back, you know, they're not going to make the deal just to make the deal. But mm-hmm. they clearly saw value in Achua. Uh, you get Drogic, Drogic, Goran Drogic. <laughs> Drogic. <laughs> My goodness. It's been a long week as well. Yes. And, I mean, he's your starting point guard now, for better or worse. Yeah. For better or worse, leading towards the ladder there. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, and maybe part of it is the Raptors really wanting to kind of tear it down for a year. I, I mean, it, that doesn't seem like the Ujiri way, and I think that they're too good to really be, like, back in this spot in the top five. But maybe, I mean, may, that that might be part of it. I don't know. Um, that's that's probably how I would operate. But if that was how I'd operate, I'd, be, I'd still be looking to get assets for the future. And I just... It's hard for me to see Barnes being that guy. I mean, we might look back at this episode and be like, wow, we were just so off on Barnes versus Suggs. But it's a lot easier to to see Suggs being the guy that can lead them to that next good team. Um, but yeah. I, I've never I've never understood the fascination with Scotty Barnes. He's a power forward who can't shoot. Basically, you're drafting a power forward to get you steals and assists. Yeah, <laughs> which everyone wants out of the four. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm with you. I don't get it. What do you think it means for Siakam? Because, you know, they bring in Achua, they bring in Barnes. You have to think Siakam is very available. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, I think at the deadline, especially if the Raptors aren't winning games, which, again, it looks like they're kind of built to not, I think that it, may, it makes him extremely available. And... Um, you know, especially now that, uh, not that Ujiri was ever in, in any kind of danger, but now that they've, they've promoted him and he's basically the president of operations there. I mean, there's, there's a lot of runway for him in terms of just tearing this thing down and building it back up. So I think Siakam becomes probably the best non, you know, the best front court player that will be available at any given time from now till whenever he leaves. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting. Do you think see anything to a Siakam for CJ trade? I I like it. I the CJ part of that, like, it it would imply that the Raptors are kind of closer to winning. I think than they seem to be sure. implying by drafting Scotty Barnes. Like, this is one of those picks that screams we're not ready yet. Right. To me. Um, but I could be wrong. I mean, maybe maybe there's like a very specific role that Nurse and Ujiri have in mind for Barnes, and then that he'll grow, uh, you know, grow from that. But I, I mean, it's just hard, and it's really hard for me to see how he fits next to Siakam. To your point, like if your best player is like, you know, sixty percent redundant with your number four pick, right? I, I mean, it, and you know, and the number four pick is a super raw player. It's really, it's just, I, I just don't really understand it, like. I think you're obviously in line to trade that guy. So I don't know why you would add, you know, a now player like McCollum. I think it's much more likely maybe a three-way where McCollum goes somewhere and they get, you know, they get some of those picks from Oklahoma city or, you know, or new Orleans or whoever. Well, your bulls also were very aggressive uh, in free agency slash trades. Yes, they uh, were and, uh, <laughs> for better, for worse. And uh, an interesting draft pick as well. But, uh, the Bulls mm. currently sit at plus, uh, let's see, plus 4,000 at Bavada and NBA Championship odds. Let's let's talk about it. What did you think of these moves? 
it's tough. I I mean, we talked about Vucevic and, you know, the idea of like, would you, now we know what happened, right? At number eight, yeah. uh, Franz Wagner goes, you, you had Davion Mitchell on the board. Um, that's probably the direction I would have gone. Like, I wouldn't have, I still would take Vooch over those guys, but right. that set in motion all this stuff, and we should have probably seen some of it coming. It's just been so long since the Bulls did stuff for today instead of tomorrow. Mm. And so um, that's really what they did, man. Like, I mean, they they basically said, like, we traded for Vucevic. We want to keep Levine long-term, um, or at least find out if he's worth keeping long-term by by assembling good players around him. Um, I love, you know, I'm a huge Lonzo Ball guy. I've always been, and... I love I love him on this team. I think that he makes up for a lot of Levine's defensive deficiencies, and I think that when Levine's not playing, which happens way more often than he'd probably like to admit, Lonzo is a is a solid you know primary initiator. Um, like he's not going to score a lot for you, but he's really good in that way. And then he's he's become a way better shooter. Like his shooting mm-hmm. improvements are incredible and. By the way, Ben Simmons should hire whoever he oh, whoever else wants. Oh, ben Simmons, screw, <laughs> screw Ben Simmons. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, so I love I love the Lonzo Ball move. I then it gets a little it starts getting a little questionable because you get Caruso, who I like as a player. I think it, it, if you look at advanced stats, he's one of the best on ball defenders in in perimeter wise in yeah. the league. Um, also a good shooter, a guy that LeBron wanted to keep in L.A., but you paid up to get him out of there. And um, the nine, Lakers, nine million a year, nine million a year for, and, and I mean, he, he, I think a best case scenario is he ends up being a nine to 10 million a year player. I don't mm-hmm. see him being a lot better than that. I, I'd be surprised if he was a lot worse than that too. So um, we'll just, we'll have to wait and see, but I, I think that one's fine. The DeRozan one is going to be what this, like what defines this front office in my mind, because it's not being met with, uh, let's just call it, it's getting met with scattered, <laughs> scattered opinions. Yeah. And I think that DeRozan is, you know, he, he changed himself a lot. I, I dug more deeply into kind of like what he was with the Spurs and as more of an assist first type, a much more efficient player, not still not a three point shooter, but getting in the free throw line at, at a much higher clip than he was with Toronto. I mean that makes it interesting. If he becomes more of a distributor as he as his career sunsets here through the next three years, that that makes him much more interesting. But it, no matter what, like they overpaid for him for sure. Not not in the trade, but the three for eighty five to me, that's that's crazy. And um, and it precludes them from doing certain other things, which I think is it's interesting that they decided that DeRozan was the one that they were going to kind of go all in on. Well, three for eighty five is what like twenty seven and a half million a year. Uh, yeah. The the Cavs are paying Jared Allen twenty million a year after they drafted a center third overall. Good point. That's a very good point. The Cavs are you know they're they're zagging. They're doing their thing. Um, what are you, but what are you yeah. talking about the Cavs? That's a, an organization on the rise. Plus <laughs> fifty thousand Ipavada to win the NBA championship this year. Oh wow, that's yeah. I mean. Look, they're they're in it for next year for the for the draft, I think. And uh, although maybe they shouldn't have signed Jared Allen, then I don't know. Um, but no, I I think uh, yeah, I I don't know. What are your thoughts on DeRozan? I like I th- did I kind of qualify the way you see him correctly? How do you feel like he fits with 
Levine and Ball and um, and Patrick Williams and those guys. Yeah, no, look, DeRozan is a he's a professional and he's a really good basketball player who has elevated other aspects of his game over the past five years or so. He has turned into a much better ball handler, a much more willing and skilled passer. He's never going to be a primary initiator, but as a like secondary initiator, secondary creator, he has a lot of value. He is the king of the mid-range game. That's uh, mm-hmm. and and it, it's weird to see an analytics-driven front office go for a guy like DeRozan just because he's so antiquated in today's NBA with how we think of what a good shot is and what it is not a good shot. But mm-hmm. I I definitely see the fit. Uh, you know, he can score the basketball. He he puts pressure on defense by getting to the line. That offense is that offense is not going to be particularly clogged with Lonzo and Vooch and Levine and you know whether it's Lowry or Patrick Williams starting at the four. So you can get mm-hmm. away with having a guy who maybe sucks up a little bit of space rather than create some when you get the trade offs of what he brings to that offense. Yeah, no, I that's perfectly summarized. I, I mean. I wonder, as you were explaining kind of like the mid-range game, the the name I kept thinking of was Chris Paul. Not because he's like him in terms of a distributor, but you add a veteran presence who's a good basketball player, to your point, and, you know, a good free-throw shooter, and, you know, just has that, like, history of success. I think that that will be something that these Bulls, that'll work out really well for these Bulls, I, I think. I mean, it could go totally the opposite way, but... Um, I couldn't help but think of Paul as you were explaining that. And um, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, you kind of glossed over Markkanen, but I think that that's what they do with him is going to be fascinating because, God, if you could if you could have him come off the bench, that becomes like a very interesting six man group in my mind. I think my hunch is he will be gone probably for a future first. Um, which they could use, they could recoup a pick or two, given that they're they're not going to have two of their next three. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I I think they've got an interesting, like, you know, the, the thought is, you know, is it worth going all in for a team and trading away, you know, three first rounders for a team that probably maxes as a four seed? And, I mean, I, I don't know. I, like... I don't care really. I, I like I I would if it's my team, I'm going for the picks and I keep trying to get that best player, second best player, third best player and a champion. But um you know, I also understand wanting to put your stamp on a winning team that's competitive and give, you know, give the fans something that matters and then, you know, if you're good enough, then those guys have trade value that you could ultimately recoup for for other first rounders, yeah. you know, down the line. So I think that's probably their thought process. That money was going to be spent somewhere. You could spend it a lot worse than a young ascending player like Lonzo Ball. Oh, I and that's the thing. I'm all for the Lonzo move. It's like, did they need to get the Rose? Yeah. Like, could they? What did it, what did that change for them? Did that that raise raise them from what a six to a four or an eight to a six? I mean, I don't even know if they're the fourth. They're probably like the sixth right now if you look at how good the East is. So, I mean, I, I I don't know what it'll end up meaning. I know that they will be a lot more interesting next year, for sure. Well, Markkanen, by all accounts, would have been a spur had yeah. he, had his demands for a new contract been reasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, if you're Markkanen, I mean, where do you is your best chance to rebuild your value as the sixth man for the Bulls behind an ascending Patrick Williams? So or... you, you think Williams starts a power forward? I do. 
Yeah, I do. I, I, and, you know, we talked a lot about this last week. The avenue to the Bulls ultimately being actually interestingly competitive, reasonably, realistically competitive, is yeah. Patrick Williams taking the star turn. You're not getting that as the sixth man on this team, I don't think. Not That's this fair. year. And finally, my Philadelphia 76ers sit at plus 1,600 at Bavada to win the NBA championship. This is a wager I would not take with someone <laughs> else's money. I uh, don't feel good about the direction of this team at all. Ben Simmons uh, has come out and said that, hey, he'd love to play for one of the California teams. Well, sucks to be you, Ben. Uh, out, of, out of sheer principle, I would trade him to Memphis. I would trade him to the worst, smallest market I could find. He, he has shown who he is at this point. The spotlight shown upon him, he needed to step up. He's not taking calls from Joel. He's not taking calls from the rest of the 76ers, if you listen to what's being said. Good luck, dude. Uh, I mean, that is a bad look for him. For I mean, it's not a bad look for the Sixers in my mind. It's just a bad look for him. And and it it's tough because it, it's hurting their his leverage to go where he wants to. You know, if you really, really desperately feel like you need a change of scenery, do it with class behind the scenes, and maybe you'll get to go where you want to go, right. you know? I mean, God forbid, like, you don't make a public stink, CC Aaron Rodgers. I, I mean, that's... It's just one of those things that, like, I will never understand. There's such an easy way to do this the right way. And um, and that's not even, like, an old man yelling at cloud thing. That's just, like, a business thing, you know? And um, that, I, I don't know. that It's going to look bad. And it's going to make a city that prides itself on, on loyalty and, you know, and on a lot of things that don't necessarily have to do with play but also have to do with play just it gives you way less of the benefit of the doubt if and when you do stay there because we know we know daryl Morey is not gonna you know mess around and like you know concede to something that's less than the value he sees i mean he is a ruthless businessman and he is not going to do it just because you want to go yeah he's not going to trade ben to sacramento for buddy healed because he wants to go play in california exactly no literally exactly so i mean that's just like a total miscalculation from a business perspective um yeah, I think he's gonna he's gonna rue the day. Well, it's all fine because we have Andre Drummond, Drummond and George Yang now. So <laughs> the Drummond thing is so funny with him and Embiid. I, I, oh, I, I don't think Embiid cares for a second. I think Embiid no, just no, likes messing no. with people, and you yeah. know it's, it's a good move for Drummond just to get away from having to play Embiid. So I that's I mean that's a really interesting to uh, like two guys to like whether they play him together at oh, all they, or won't. Drummond's they can't just strict backup it could be a hilarious duo though like can you, you just zero paint points ever well i mean the really troubling lineup would be ben simmons and drummond playing together oh god <laughs> yeah, yeah that's that's problematic but uh, that's problematic we've got some time to discuss that and the sixers have some time to figure it out uh until then, this is going to be this week's episode of The Underdog. For Anshu Khanna, I'm Chris Horvidell. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.